If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, all anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, saying you've put off the old self with its practices. Instead, as you have done, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Jesus Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's holy ones, chosen ones, sorry, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if any has a complaint, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth be simple and clear. May your Spirit come and open our hearts to hear, not from a speaker, but from your Word, that we would know in our midst that transforming supernatural power of God that changes lives, that gives hope, that renews, restores, and draws back. May we know that power in our midst, not for our glory, not because we want to create a religious club, but because we want to encounter you, the light of the world, the hope of the nations, and the Savior of all who would believe in him. So, Lord Jesus, we need your help to do that. So come now and help, we ask, for your name's sake. Amen. What is your identity? And what does it mean to you? What is your identity? And what does it mean to you? During the Cold War, there was a story told of to an American and a Russian having an argument about their identities in respective governments. The American and the Russian were talking about how they could talk to their leaders. And the American said, well, in our system, I can walk right into the Oval Office, I can bang my fist in the table, I can say, President Reagan, I don't like how you're running your country. The Russian says, I can do that too. And the American was a bit surprised and said, really? And the Russian said, yes, I can go right into the Kremlin, right up to General Secretary Gorbachev's desk, bang the table and say, General Secretary, I don't like how President Reagan's running his country. (laughs) It's a funny story that Ronald Reagan used to critique communism, but it shows your identity 
as Americans, they identified with democracy and freedom. And obviously, in those days, Russia under the USSR was a more totalitarian state. Your identity, what is it? And how does it shape you? Are you British? Are you Scottish? Are you English? Or best of all, are you Northern Irish? <laughs> what is your identity? And how does it shape you? We live in a culture where identity is a big issue at the minute, is it not? It's a very emotive issue as people try to find identity in all sorts of things, in gender changes, in sexuality, in nationality. They try to find something that gives meaning and shape to their lives and belonging to something that is bigger than them. Identity is important. And identity is important. It points to something where we feel we're part of a tribe, where we feel we're safety in numbers. And it's a thing I think that is placed in our hearts originally by God himself. As you see the text here, Colossians before us today, Colossians is a wonderful book. If you get bored of my sermon, please just read Colossians. It'll do you a lot of good. But Colossians is a wonderful text that gets to the heart of what Christianity is about. For some people, Christianity almost seems to be like a label or a badge you wear, like an external religion, but that's not what Christianity is actually about. And if you're here this morning and think Christianity is obeying a set of rules, a set of regulations, it's dressing the right way, talking the right way, going through ceremonies the right way, then let me tell you respectfully that you're wrong. Because Christianity, first and foremost, starts not with a set of rules, not even with a creed, not even with doctrine as good as these things can be. Christianity starts with a person who is called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What does that name mean to some of you? Who is Jesus Christ? He is the most talked about person in the whole history of the world. There is more books written about him. There is more films written about him than every living person. The only two that come close, one of them is Napoleon. But Jesus Christ is one of the most talked about and one of the most misunderstood people in all of world history. So what does the Bible tell us about Jesus? And what does Jesus say about himself? Firstly, as we have sung today, Jesus said he is the creator of all things. It's not a staggering thought. How many of you enjoyed the snow last week? Good man, Tim. I love snow. I'm praying for more snow. The more Barnabas too, the more snow, the merrier. Snow's great, isn't it? It's an amazing thing when you think of snow. How have you ever studied snow? Have you ever sort of no, just made a snowball and threw it at somebody? Good man. You pick it up and all the intricacy of the frost. We believe that God creates each of those. The Bible tells us that every star in the sky, and there is lots of them, isn't there? Everyone's named by name. I mean, I forget names pretty. <laughs> Once I get beyond 200 people, my memory starts falling apart. God knows all of them by name. He even made what you'll eat today, those wretched things called Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Don't know why he did that, but he created all this out of the overflow of his heart and out of the overflow of his love. That's what the Bible tells us. God made all things and he made them good. He made this world of tremendous beauty and he made you and me. Each of us is unique. Look around this room. Does any person look the same? We're all different. We all have bumps in different places. We all have hair spreading out of different places. He made each of us unique with a personality and a soul. Isn't that quite a staggering thought when you think of all the people on this planet and not one of them is the same? But as we acknowledge too in this world of great goodness and potential, I think you'll be saying to me, well, Daniel, if that is the case, why is there so much evil? 
Why is there pain? Why is there wars? Why have we got Ukraine and the situation in the Middle East? Why do these, why do these things happen if God is good? Something did go wrong. Something went very wrong after God made this world, and it was us because we turned our back on Him. Our Creator, the one who gives us identity, the one who gives us meaning in life, we said, actually, like good teenagers, we know better than you, and we're going to do our own thing. And we cut ourselves off from Him, and chaos starts. If you stop giving the body food and water, what happens? It begins to fall apart, does it not? We cut ourselves off from the only source of life and meaning, God Himself. And so things began to fall apart. But God did not leave us there. You heard Val and Janet read that beautiful reading, and Christmas time reminds us too that God did not leave us in our own mess. God did not leave us by ourselves. There is a light that came and shone in those dwelling in deep darkness. As Barnabas told us last week, on those whom there is gloom over them, a light has flashed forth. And God entered into history, into time. He invaded this universe. And how did He do it? In the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have done your Christmas shopping? Who's not done their Christmas shopping? <laughs> Who's going to do their Christmas shopping at Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for Amazon. And that doesn't mean to say I don't love the people I'm giving gifts to. It just means to say that I'm... We give gifts to show our love, do we not? God give us His only Son. John says it in John chapter 1, right at the heart of the universe. The only God. Nobody has seen Him, but the one who is in the Father's bosom, who is right by the Father's heart, He has seen Him, and He has come to make Him known. He has come to bring redemption. God Give us His only Son. I was holding we, that precious wee baby there. You'll hold her tight, won't you? I was scared to drop her. God, give this world of pain, of hurt, this world that would ultimately reject and crucify His Son, God give His Son to us to be our Savior, to be our Redeemer. And that is at the heart of the Christian faith. That is at the heart of the true message of the universe, that God sent His only Son. But whoever would believe in Him would not perish, would not continue in the destruction we made in this life and in eternity, but would have everlasting life through Him. And that's what we celebrate today at the baptism. That's what we celebrate, that Jesus has touched the heart of Yinka and Matthew and brought them to himself and began his work of redemption. And we'll celebrate that in a minute as we put them under the water, which symbolizes them entering into the death of Christ. And then we'll bring them up out of the water, hopefully. And we'll bring them up out of the water. And that symbolizes their rising to new life in Christ. But it's a symbol what has happened within the heart. Now, what does that look like? What is that identity they've been given in Jesus? Well, let's turn to Colossians here, because Paul spent the first two chapters talking about how amazing Jesus is and who He is, and I encourage you to read them later on, but now we come to this. What does it mean to be in Jesus Christ? What does it mean to have new life, and what is Christianity about? Firstly, it's living at the right address. It's living at the right address. Verses 1 to 4, or 1 to 3 here. Jesus, or Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, if you've trusted in Him, if you've been linked to Him by that power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just an amazing thought to think of there a second. We just sung it. What did we just sing there? 
This is the power of Christ in me. We as Christians believe that when somebody trusts in Jesus Christ, when they follow him, John says it in his word, John 13, Ben preached it a few weeks back, verse 23, that when you trust in me, the Father and the Son come and make their home within us. Christians believe that we are linked powerfully through the Holy Spirit to the living God of the universe. That resurrection power which raised Jesus from the dead is within us. Now, if you're not staggered by that thought, my accent's either too thick, or we just haven't realized how amazing that is, isn't it? One writer said about this, we, we think about Jesus as a babe in a manger, we think how cute, how sweet, and yes, there is that element to us, but imagine, imagine trying to capture a hurricane, the power of a hurricane in a human body. Imagine trying to capture the power of a raging inferno in a human body. Imagine then that in Jesus Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. And through the power of the Holy Spirit as believers, we believe that we are also raised with Christ. We've been given a new address. We don't live here. Our focus isn't here, but we're raised with Christ in the heavenly places where He is seated. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ has risen and He has ascended to the throne of the universe. And one day He will come again to take us home. But in the meantime, through His Spirit, we are linked with Him. Christian, that is your indestructible hope too. Does that get an amen? Thank you. You'll get your Brussels sprouts now. <laughs> we are raised with Christ. That is at the heart of the Christian faith, the transforming power of God to redeem and renew. And it's amazing. Ezekiel prophesied it in the Old Testament. He said about the heart of stone would be taken out of us and a new and living heart would be given to us, a heart that longs after God. We are raised with Christ in a new address. Our minds are set not on the things of earth, but on his heavenly focus. We have died and our life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall appear with him in glory. The Lord Jesus, and to identify with him, we have a new address. We are now heavenly minded. Now, some of you may know the old saying, too heavenly minded to be any earthly use. That's an aw- Do you know why some of those sayings go into history and they're just awful? That's an awful saying. C.S. Lewis, anyone heard of C.S. Lewis? He was a, the guy who wrote the Narnia Chronicles. He was, if you really wanted to get up C.S. Lewis's nose, you used to quote that saying to him. And he would erupt because he said, the most useful people on this planet are the ones who are focused not in this world, but the next. What kept William Wilberforce going to abolish the slave trade in the face of horrendous opposition and pressure from the whole British establishment at one point? That his trust was in Christ and he knew that because God had made all men with an indwellable spirit and he would redeem that he kept going through it. We all have friends and brothers and sisters who struggle, I'm sure, in different ways and we're constantly amazed by how they keep going. Their mind is with the Lord and so they serve here and give their all here. One of the most powerful memories I have, there was a wee lady I used to go and visit in Northern Ireland and she was a missionary in Portugal. She had been in Portugal for 40, 50 years of her life, and it was a hard, hard work she did. She was stabbed once. She was attacked once. She was assaulted. All sorts of things happened to her, and she was the sweetest lady. She had no bitterness. And as I visited her in the nursing home, her health started to decline until one day she had a catastrophic stroke, and she couldn't move. Couldn't move at all. And yet when you walked into that room, 
The peace and the presence of the Lord was there because she had dedicated her remaining years to pray for everyone she could pray for. And she was praying for me, a wee spotty teenager, and she was praying for the First Minister of Northern Ireland, and she was praying for people in Russia, and she was praying for people in Portugal. She knew she was going to be with her Lord, and so she would give every single day here to what she could for Him. We have a new address. Our identity, our home, and our security is in Jesus Christ. This world may take its money away from us. It may take our freedoms away from us. But we are with Christ, and He will never be taken away from us. We have a new address. Secondly, we have new clothes to wear. How many of you like going clothes shopping? It's one of those things that I just find a book and sit in the corner and hope for the best. Not only has our new identity in heaven, our new address, but we have new clothes. We have a new heart, a new mind, a new outfit. Here Paul describes the things of the old nature. Notice all these things here are described as things that actually break relationships with each other, that cause hurt to each other. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. What that means is I want to be first. I want my way, not your way. Covetedness. Desiring everything, making everything in this world your goal. What is, why is covenant called idolatry here? It means anything we put in the place of God and pursue that isn't God is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Why? Because it destroys our relationships with each other and it destroys our relationship with Him. It's rebellion, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, destroying others lying to one another. These are things that cause breakage and hardship in the body of Christ. Jesus says, no, take off those old clothes. Take off those smelly clothes. Take off the hurting of each other. Take off the breaking down. And it may surprise you that that this is here, but take off all these things because you're being renewed in the image of your creator. Your identity is in heaven and in the one who sits on the throne in whose image you have been made to truly know ourselves. We first must know God because we are made in His image. Not a profound thought. wasn't mine. To truly know ourselves, we need to know the God in whose image we are made. How then should God's people live? How should we dress in these new clothes? And as I read verse 12 here, I am convicted because I realize I have not always lived this way. Sometimes I throw on the smelly old jumper. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. The word there for meekness means gentleness that restrains strength and submits to hardships without grumbling. Patience. How different the world would be if we as Christians lived as hard as we could after these virtues in the likeness of God, would it not? In a world that is hard, how about some compassion? In a world where it's dog eat dogs, where the fastest, the quickest, and whoever gets in your way, toss them out of the road. It doesn't matter if it's your granny or not. How about some kindness? In a world of X and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and putting out the best image, how about some humility? In fact, all these virtues remind us of somebody, do they not? Who is the most compassionate person we know? 
Who is the kindest person we know? Who is the humblest, meekest, patient, and bore with us through all things? But Jesus. Our identity is our home is with him in heaven. The new clothes that he gives us are actually what he looks like as we are renewed in his image. Oh, Christian friend, as we see baptisms today, as we are reminded of the promises we made, of the commitments we made to follow Jesus through the power of his spirit, let's commit afresh to live like this. Let us commit afresh to live like this. And that comes from me at the front as well. I wasn't very patient in the traffic lights this morning. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against the other, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. The identity that we live out is shaped by Jesus Christ. The love that we show is shaped like the cross. And as we bring each other together, God himself pours out his spirit down upon us and we see the shape of the cross in that. We love like Jesus loves. Our new clothes, our new uniform, our new identity is to be like him. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. People get this half right, do they not? Who is the famous singer? What do you call him? Bert Bacharach, is it? What does the world need now? Love, sweet love. That's all you're going to remember from the sermon now, isn't it? What the world is love. Just something there's too little off, isn't it? Oh, come on, guys. But there's going to be orchestra going there. Thank you for... They get it half right, do they not? There's a longing and a yearning, and perhaps you're here this morning and you've heard these things about Jesus, and you think, well, God to me doesn't, the God I've heard of or the Christians I've come across haven't been compassionate, they haven't been kind. We have to acknowledge that's the case. But nonetheless, you cannot judge, you cannot judge the team by those who support it. Sometimes you have to go to the heart of the matter, and this is what Jesus is like. And this love was demonstrated to us fundamentally on the cross when we rebelled against him. When we turned our backs on God, Jesus Christ went to the cross and suffered in human hands to die for us. That our sins would be forgiven. That the judgment of God would be averted from us and placed in him. He gave his life for us because he loved us. I know of nobody else in world history or anyone else whom that claim could be made of but Jesus Christ. And that love is the love in which we trust as he bore it on the cross away. He took all our sin, all our shame, all our sorrows. He actually started reversing the process of decay of this world when he rose from the grave three days later, alive forevermore. A new creation, new hope, a new life entered the world that day and it has not stopped since and we will celebrate two examples of it today. We have an identity of Christ in the heavens. We have new clothes to wear. And lastly, the third point is always the shortest, don't worry. We have new songs to sing. We have new songs to sing. Our identity in heaven, our identity in the shape of Christ and lastly, in the songs that we sing. We all know that Ireland is the greatest rugby team in the world. There's just no question about it. And when you're in Ireland, and when they're playing against England, 
And when you're at Dublin and the scoreline is perfect, the Irish are ahead by a couple of points, and when that last whistle blows and we've beaten them, what do the Irish fans do? Well, that was a really nice match, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that was a great day out. Don't you think so too? They celebrate, don't they? They cheer, they roar, they sing. Singing is a, a natural expression in us, is it not? Young men, sing over your, your beloved. Don't scare her. But sing. I mean, when you see couples, when you see, I love, I love, I mean, I love watching um, um, young couples. When you see them go off and they think nobody's watching. And they're, they're being all gooey and holding hands and kissing. And, ben, you were talking about this a few weeks back. You know, that, that lovely romantic stage. Do you all love that? Yeah. Now, for a young couple who's in that stage, do you need to tell them, say something nice about her? <laughs> no. They do it naturally, don't they? Oh, darling, you're beautiful. Oh, your hair's lovely. And they go on and on and on. So you want to slap them around the back of the head. But <laughs> there's a spontaneity in that, is there not? I know that some people's image of Christianity is we sort of gather in cold buildings and sing songs dutifully, and now we do our bit. Not a bit of it. We are raised in the heavens with Christ with a life indestructible that we'll never be separated from. He has got us, and we are His. We live out our new identity, being like Christ in this world, shining His light in the darkness with humility and kindness. And because of this, our hearts are full of joy and inflamed. And so with His love and with the peace of Christ that keeps us in all circumstances, we are thankful. That's an amazing thing to be thankful, isn't it? See, G.K. Chesterton said the most awful thing you can do to an atheist is ask him who he's thankful to. And there's something in that, isn't there? I don't mean it to be unkind. But in each one of us, there is a, a natural urge sometimes that just rises within to give thanks and praises or not. I would suggest that's the sign that we are made in the image of God. And so this word pours out of us, the dwelling of Christ richly in us. And we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. We have an identity in the heavens with Christ. We live it out here on earth. It means something to us more than anything else. And notice actually in that identity that we live out, there is no division. We are one in Christ Jesus regardless of any other circumstances. If we're in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter if you're a barbarian or not. I love that, isn't it? Any barbarians here this morning? <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> Slave nor free, but in Christ we are all. And together we live that out, singing and rejoicing. And so as a family of believers today, we rejoice in seeing this lived out in Yinka and Matthew's lives. You will hear from Yinka and Matthew soon. Please be gentle with them. It's not easy to stand up in front of a crowd and talk. And they're going to share their testimonies of how they found Jesus Christ, or more importantly, how he found them how you give them new life and raise them up with himself, the joy that's in their heart. You'll hear to live this out faithfully, being like Christ. And then after they've been baptized together as a family in Christ, we will sing songs of gladness to celebrate the Lord's goodness in their life. Baptism is a picture and a symbol of the gospel. Nothing happens in the tank apart from, hopefully it's, is it warm, by the way? Did we get the tank warm? Sorry, Yinka. Nothing special happens here. It's a symbol. Jesus is with us. He is present. But what has happened already is the transformation in their hearts, the transformation that can be yours too through trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
What is your identity? I don't know. Is it giving you struggles? Are you trying to sustain it in your own power and your own strength and you're frustrated, you're isolated? You will find no satisfaction. You will find no peace in your life until you come back to the one who made you, who loved you, who gave himself for you and through the Holy Spirit this morning says, if you believe in me, if you cast all your life, your hopes, everything, I mean, you stop trying to earn your peace, earn your righteousness with God, if you just lay it down and say, Lord Jesus, save me, I am yours. His spirit will come into you and lift you. He will raise you up and give you that new identity. So nothing special happens in the water, but it symbolizes what's already done in the heart. It's together. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that what was off me and was not helpful. We thank you that you have given us your word, which is contained in the scriptures, the word of the living God, which is accurate. We thank you too, Holy Spirit, that to our hearts. So we would pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come into our midst and again glorify Jesus. For those of us who trust you and renew us in our identity, we are yours and you are ours. We wear your colors, and we sing your song. That's what we were made for. So renew the saints. Bless Matthew and Yinka now as they come and as we celebrate together this act of baptism that sim symbolizes what you've done in their hearts. And if there's anyone this morning who I've never heard of you before, or wondering what this is all about, I would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would do the main thing and present the Lord Jesus to their heart for their trust. And we ask this in his name.